want to begin our time in God's Word by considering something that was missing from the first century. What wouldn't have been in existence in the first century? No, I don't mean penicillin. I don't mean electricity. The list could go on and on. Uh, think spiritually with me. We are in church. So, according to F.F. F. Bruce, the New Testament historian and scholar, uh, he would say one thing you wouldn't find in the first century would be a professing Christian who hadn't been baptized. You wouldn't find an unbaptized Christian. Now, whether he's right or wrong, I don't know for sure, but I think we can appreciate what he's up to in saying that. Baptism is such a significant thing, it's such an important thing in what it pictures, that why wouldn't someone want to obey the Lord's command and experience what it is that signifies such a significant reality as the finished work of Christ. This morning, what I would like to do is encourage you with the significance of baptism. Whether you were baptized today or you were baptized decades ago, to encourage you. And if you haven't been baptized and you're a professing Christian, to encourage you to obey the Lord's command and be baptized because the significance is significant. It's grand. It's wonderful. It's great. And so we're going to take some time looking at Romans chapter 6 this morning. That will be our text. And we're going to look at three spiritual realities that stress the significance of Christian baptism and what it signifies. So if you're a note taker, three great spiritual realities that are significant because they tell us about the significance of baptism. I'll do my best with a little bit of coloring outside of the lines to be in Romans chapter 6. We could look at more than... I have more than three on my list if we go outside of Romans 6, but I just want to keep us in Romans 6 today. Um, If you're wondering when we're getting back to Matthew, uh, we will be getting back if you're um, just joining us today. Normally we're studying a book of the Bible. That's our bread and butter. That's our normal practice here. We'll get back to our study of the gospel according to Matthew after the holidays. Uh, We're in chapter 19, which is where Jesus teaches about divorce, and that's an important topic, and he has important things to say, but it doesn't put me in the holiday spirit. And so, since we had baptism today, and we have baptisms next week, um, I just thought we would make our way through the holidays before we pick up chapter 19 uh, in January. So just so you're aware of kind of why, why that's on hold for now. The first spiritual reality we're going to look at today that is signified in baptism that's meant to encourage us is union with Christ. Union with Christ, to be united to Christ by faith. And I would like you to see, as we look at like a 30,000 foot look at Romans chapter 6, we won't go line by line, we won't study it in detail, I just want you to see the emphasis on union that's throughout in this chapter. And it's definitely a baptism chapter. And so it says in chapter 6, verse 4, we were buried, therefore, with him. There's there's the union concept, united with him. Therefore, with him, by baptism, into death. Now let's move to verse 5. For if we have been united with him, there's union, united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him, there it is again, in a resurrection like his. Chapter 6, verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Chapter 6, verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, there's union again. We believe that we will also live with 
Him, union again. Chapter 6, verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Union with Christ, in Christ. And if I can just quickly go to chapter 8, verse 1 in my mind, because I love it so much. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Boys and girls, if... Um, when, I, when I say in Christ, I don't mean inside of Christ. When you become a Christian, you don't go inside of Christ. In Christ is another way of saying in the New Testament, united with Christ. You're with Christ. And so if that helps moms and dads, it's for you too. But um, in Christ means to be united to Christ. And I always do this by habit because my hands are united together. When I put my hands together, they're, they're momentarily, for a moment, they're inseparable. I can't separate them because I'm trying to show you they're together. They fit together. They belong together. They're in union. They're united um, and so the Bible teaches again and again and again and again, but a lot in Romans 6 where it teaches about baptism, that we're united to Christ by faith. We're with Him, we're in Him as in united together with Him, and it's a great, amazing, awesome reality because if we're united to Christ, here's how theologians say it carefully, that means we receive Christ and all of His benefits. We receive Christ and all of His benefits. All the things, and the list could be really long. All of the things He set out to do when He came to earth. All of those things, whether it's justification or sanctification or glorification or lots of other Asians, right? Propitiation, uh, making us heirs. Uh, and the list goes, adoption as sons and daughters. All of these great things He's done. We receive Christ if we're in Him, united to Him by faith, and all of His benefits, Baptism, hear me carefully, doesn't do that. But baptism is significant because it signifies that. It's, uh, it, it is the picture that speaks a thousand words. It, baptism is significant because it signifies what happens when you trust in Jesus. You're united to Him. You're in faith union with Him. And you receive Christ and all of His benefits. It's a great reality. This is why our, some of our forefathers in the faith have try, they, they, they've really grasped trying to, trying to put this to words and try to explain it. And since it's, it's really beyond full comprehension, it goes beyond what we can really grasp. And your pastor right now is having a hard time with words. They refer to it as that mystical, sweet union. And they didn't mean, you know, mystical, scary, frightening. Mystical as in words escape us. Analogies escape us. How, 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 can we, how can we, other than Bible text after Bible text after Bible text, which is a good way to go, but how do, how do we summarize it in a statement? It's mysterious. It's that mystical, sweet union that we would have with the Lord Jesus Christ and baptism with Him, in Him, together with Him. That kind of verbiage in Romans 6 significantly pictures the significance of what it means to be united to Christ by faith. A.A. A. Hodge, one of our forefathers in the faith, back in the old Princeton days, as I like to say, back when Princeton had a soul, uh, put it this way. 
It's mystical, union with Christ, because it so far transcends, beyond reach, transcends all the analogies of earthly, earthly relationships in the intimacy of its communion, in the transforming power of its influence, and in the excellence of its consequences. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thankful for people who go before us that, that, that maybe come alongside of us and say, it's okay if you're at a loss for words. The, the intimacy of being united to Christ by faith is, is, is transcendent. It's, it's mystical in all the good and right senses. It's mysterious. So, when you're baptized, that's significant because of what it signifies. You're united together with Christ by faith. And by baptism, you're showing that that has happened by faith. That's a good thing. In some Christian traditions, not so much here at our local church or even within our kind of churches, but in some church traditions, uh, people frequently say at baptism services to everyone who's not being baptized, they say, remember your baptism. And I think that could be misused. But I'm going to say it today because I'm going to explain myself. And I think it could be appropriately used. Remember your baptism. Because of what it signifies, right? If you can't remember all the Eation words, <laughs> I hope you can remember we receive Christ and all of his benefits. That's pretty simple. But if you need a word picture, and the Lord has given us an inspired word picture, to be encouraged, remember your baptism. Now, I'm going to push you and say, remember what it signifies. And I'm going to push you a little bit more and say, remember Christ, <laughs> He's the one. He's the one who won all of these things for us. He's the one to be honored and praised. But, but if you need a reminder, remember, your baptism externally pictured union with Christ, which is a grand, unexplainable, when it comes to exhaustively explaining it, reality. I hope that encourages you. certainly encourages me as I think about what Christ has done for me when I've been united to him by faith. A second spiritual reality signified in baptism that should encourage us, even though it's not going to sound encouraging, is judgment. Judgment. Now, take me out of context, right? Take me out of context. Well, I'm so glad you came to church today. I want to encourage you. And I just want you to know baptism is, is so significant and so encouraging. And I want you to be encouraged today because it symbolizes judgment. You'd go, what? 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 Judgment is not judgment. Judgment isn't very encouraging. And you're right, it's not very encouraging. But if you think of it in these terms, it's super encouraging. If I, Pat, deserve to be judged by God because I've not loved God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I've not loved my neighbor as myself, as Jesus says God's law requires, then I've sinned. And sin calls for judgment. So I don't like judgment one bit. I don't want to hear about judgment, but it's good that I hear about it so that I say, what should I do? And you tell me you should look to Christ. You should look to Christ because by Christ dying in your place, He experienced the judgment for you. And baptism actually pictures that. 
Think with me about this, right? According to the Bible and what our Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 6, if we drop down to verse 23, the wages of sin is death. More than just physical death, spiritual death. The wages of sin is death. If the wages of sin is death, that's a form of judgment. Death is a form of judgment, right? What you deserve if you sin is judgment. Well, what you deserve if you sin is death. He's using death and judgment. We We could use it interchangeably. Baptism pictures death and therefore pictures pictures judgment, but it reminds us if we've been united to Christ by faith, we don't have to face the judgment because Christ has faced the judgment for us. And so if we look at Romans 6, we see this emphasized throughout. In verse 2 it says, we who died to sin. So we who died, but I didn't die. We died because we're united to Christ and he died in our place. Okay, we who died, verse four, if you look there, it says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. So we were buried, but we weren't buried, but we were buried because I'm not schizophrenic. We were buried with him, right? Judgment has happened. The grave has happened. Judgment has come into play, into death. Then verse seven, for one who has died, notice past tense, has died, has been set free from sin. Verse eight, if we have died with Christ, and he's not speculating if we have or if we haven't, he's saying we have. If we have died, there are implications. We'll talk about those later. Then verse 10, I'll just pick out the two words. He died. Baptism is tremendously encouragement because it pictures... It signifies significantly death and therefore judgment. It's encouraging because if I've been judged with Christ, I've died with Christ, God doesn't do double jeopardy. God doesn't do double jeopardy. By that I mean I'm not facing a coming judgment because I've already been judged with Christ. I don't know what to point to here, right? I'm pointing to the cross because that's my habit in this church, but I'm pointing to the baptistry because symbolizing death, symbolizing the grave. Yes, the cross symbolizing death as well. Judgment. Christians like to hear about judgment. Not because we're weird, though some of us are. I'll cop to that. Because we, we know we deserve it. But we have a Savior who loved us and gave himself up for us. And he paid the penalty in our place. And so we don't have to be terrified of the judgment that is to come because the judgment for us has already happened. Baptism should encourage you. should encourage you because it symbolizes eternal death and condemnation and judgment. Christ took that. He bore it for us. I'll keep saying it. In that sense... Remember your baptism. Remember beyond it, remember Christ. But this pictures what he's done for us. Romans 3.25 says, There has already been propitiation. There has been atonement by his blood. That's another good complimentary text. If there's been wrath satisfied, if there's been death, if there's been death and Judgment, that means wrath has been satisfied. That means there's been propitiation or atonement satisfaction. Now, maybe one more thing about this before we move on to the next one. Still trying to encourage you with the fact that this is symbolic of judgment. 
Water does symbolize cleansing. We're just not going there today because it's not in Romans 6. Okay? We, we would have to go to Acts 22 for that. I'd like to. We'll do it a different day. Water does sometimes sim- symbolize cleansing, and it does that in other texts. But in our text, death, grave, go down in, come up out, newness of life. There's no question, Romans 6, water, death, grave, judgment. And oftentimes Christians don't think of it in these terms. I've brought it up the last couple of baptisms. I'm going to bring it up one more time because some of you are just joining us. But the Bible also uses uh, water sometimes as judgment. Uh, Think of um, Noah's Ark, right? Uh, Genesis chapter 7. It's not cleansing. (laughs) If you're reading it that way, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) It's judgment, right? It's judgment. Water brings judgment. Or how about Exodus chapter 15 with the Egyptians who are oppressing the people of God and God causes the, the sea to drown all of them. It is judgment. It says in Exodus 15 verse 10, You blew with your wind, God. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. That's, that's judgment. And I would submit to you that Christian water baptism, going down in, symbolic of the grave, death, judgment. It's a good picture. Judgment has been taken care of. And if I may, just to get in touch with my inner Baptist for a moment, if you've never thought about the water as judgment before, it might be because you think about it as sprinkling. And sprinkling doesn't do a very good job of depicting judgment. But going down in the water and coming up out of the water, no question in Romans 6, that symbolizes the grave. And the grave is not good. The grave is bad. Death is not good. Death is bad. It's judgment. It's judgment. How is this encouraging to us? Whether you got baptized today or decades ago, it's meant to encourage us because you've already been judged by God. Even though you yourself haven't been. Because you've been united to Christ by faith. And so you say, no judgment to come for me. Either last week or the week before, we looked at John chapter 5. And Jesus refers to those, not who've been baptized, because that's just a picture, but those who've believed in him. He says in John chapter 5, verse 24, I'm quoting Jesus now, so it's on good authority. He does not come into judgment. Those are words to live by, friends. Those are words to be encouraged by. He does not come into judgment. Your baptism is significant because it signifies the fact that Christ took care of the judgment for you, so you do not come into judgment. And sometimes Christians kind of get hoodwinked or deceived or confused, and they live in fear of coming judgment. If you're not a Christian, you should live in fear of coming judgment. If you are a Christian and your baptism should give you a helpful word picture... If you are a Christian, you should not be afraid of coming judgment. Why? Because judgment has occurred in time and history. Propitiation has been made. And baptism is significant because it signifies that. It's a symbol to remind you, oh yeah, already judged. No no double jeopardy. It's good to be a Christian. 
We're not better than other people. It's not that we've sinned less. It's not that we figured out the right way on our own and now we're trying to have our good outweigh our bad. No, it's out of desperation, looking outside of ourselves because someone told us good news. Judgment, judgment is taken care of by, by Christ. And baptism speaks a thousand words of goodness reminding us of this. Ready for the last one? The last significant spiritual reality helping us to see the significance of baptism and what it signifies. I don't know why I like that word so much today, but I significantly do. Number three, and you probably saw it coming. Um, You could probably tell me what it is. It's resurrection. It's resurrection. And we'll look at it from different angles. I guess the first one is just the obvious one. I mean, apart from the Lord's return, um, if you have enough birthdays, you're going to physically die. Thankfully, as Christians, even though Romans 6 doesn't stress this and unpack this, but, but it's implied, and so I'll go there. If you're in Christ, you will be bodily resurrected. And that's good news. Okay? It is good news. It's very good news. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, the dead physically dead, in Christ, ah, there it is in Romans, or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the dead in Christ, the believers, will be raised first. And we're not raised unto uh, judgment or condemnation. We're we're bodily raised, and we we love that. That's great. We want to live. It's right to want to live. So there's that aspect, and baptism pictures that. But there's also another aspect, resurrection. And this is where we're going to go a little bit deep, and we're going to wander off into the forest a little bit, but I think you're all up to it. I want to talk about the thing behind the thing. And what I mean by the thing behind the thing is raised unto newness of life. So we are raised. It pictures coming up out at resurrection. But in the Bible, resurrection has something that it is backed by, or tied to, I should say. And that is justification. Justification. Jesus, the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 25, is raised for our justification. That's why I brought it up. I had to go outside of Romans 6, I know that. But I I can't help but think holistically. He's talking about resurrection in chapter 6, but he's already talked about it in chapter 4, He's raised for our justification. We're united to him by faith, so he did it for us. And so that's why it's not a stretch to say water baptism because it pictures resurrection. Also, therefore, pictures justification. And that's what I'm calling the thing behind the thing. Christians love this great reality. If you've never heard about justification before, I can explain it to you. You came to the right place. It's, it's, it's positive. It's good. If you've already heard it from me, you'll hear it again. It's my favorite thing to talk about. But to be justified, the Bible teaches, to justification, ju- to, to be justified is to be declared righteous. And righteous means obedient to God's law. Think about that for a second. Romans 1 to 5, again and 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 again, teaches we're justified by faith in Christ. 
We're justified by faith in Christ. We're declared obedient to God's law. We're declared righteous by faith in Christ. How could that be? Well, before we even answer that question, that's good. It's great. Because I stand before you as someone who's not perfectly obeyed God, but I'm declared by the judge perfectly obedient to God, but I have not perfectly obeyed God. So how could that be? Well, before we get to that, I just said that, baptism pictures resurrection and he's raised for our justification. So even if we haven't figured out how it is yet, it's really good, right? Baptism with picturing resurrection pictures justification because he's raised for our justification and we're united to him. And if you're confused, let me keep talking and I think it'll get less confusing. But someone last hour did say that was confusing. I said, I know. I said, did you understand what I meant? Yes. Well, thank you. I made it clear eventually. (laughs) We're justified by faith. What does the resurrection have to do with that? He was raised for our justification. How does that work? I have a cross-reference for you that's really important. It's 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And this is what's confusing because we don't tend to have a category for this. 1 Timothy 3, 16 says that Jesus, by the Spirit, says He was vindicated by the Spirit. Well, that doesn't help much unless you've thought about it before. It's the exact same word, otherwise translated, justified. He was justified by the Spirit. Everyone agrees that it's talking about resurrection. The Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. But what in the world does it mean for Jesus to be justified? See, this is something we don't tend to have a category for. But I'm helping you with a category for it so that you can say, I love baptism. I love baptism because of what it pictures. It pictures justification because it pictures resurrection. But why? how does that work with Jesus? Jesus was vindicated, justified at his resurrection. Please don't check out. I promise. I plead with you. This is going to help in just a moment. Somebody said, maybe a new person said last hour, maybe you could use a PowerPoint and that would help. It wouldn't help. Protestants got rid of icons a long time ago. It wouldn't help. Jesus was raised, and at his resurrection, God declared him righteous, officially, vindicated by the Spirit, justified by the Spirit. At the resurrection of Jesus, and he was raised for us, God declared him righteous. He declared his son perfectly obedient to all of his commandments. That's why it's good. And if you're united to Christ by faith, it's as if He's declared you perfectly obedient to all of His commandments. Even though you're not perfectly obedient to all of His commandments, Jesus Christ, as First John says, the righteous was declared officially righteous at the resurrection. Here, my son. He didn't just claim to be sinless. He didn't just talk a big talk. He died, not because of his own sin, but as a substitute. But he couldn't stay dead. Why? Because he wasn't a sinner. He was bearing our sin, but he couldn't stay dead because he was righteous. 
Because he was perfectly obedient to God's law. And so God declares him perfect, perfectly obedient to his law by raising him from the dead. Raised for our justification too. Raised for his. Raised for ours. Because he represents us. This is good stuff, folks. This is great stuff. Maybe this helps, maybe it doesn't. If you've got it figured out so far, don't listen to another word I say because I don't want to drop the ball now. Romans teaches the wages of sin is death. Jesus died. He didn't sin. He died as a substitute. And not only did he not sin, he did all things right. All things righteously. So Jesus could not stay dead. And God officially, like in Psalm 2, declares him the one by raising him from the dead. Here's the takeaway for you. You, if you're believing in Jesus, have been raised with him. Baptism symbolizes that. But in symbolizing resurrection, it symbolizes justification. You don't have to be afraid of judgment because you've been resurrected with Christ and therefore you've been justified with Christ. This is good news. Baptism doesn't do this. Some religious traditions that call themselves Christians say baptism justifies you. The Bible teaches you're justified by faith in Christ. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Boom. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and say baptism isn't significant. It's significant because it depicts justification. Because it depicts resurrection. But it does not justify you. You're justified by faith in the one who himself was vindicated slash justified at his resurrection. This is good news. This is great news for us people. Now, Romans chapter 6, I skipped one part and I shouldn't have done it. So... There's one part in Romans chapter 6, which is the whole point of Romans chapter 6, but I I couldn't help but pay attention to the theology of Romans 1 to 5. First, if you're raised with Christ, we're still on number 3. I shouldn't have said baby out with the bathwater. It it gets that response every time. (laughs) I digress. The reason Romans 6 is actually in our Bibles is because he's already teased out some of these other things we've talked about. And now he wants you to know resurrection not only means justification, resurrection also means you should live differently because you're justified. And so in Romans chapter 6 verse 4, it says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk, conduct, behavior in newness of life. Something similar is said in Romans chapter 6, verse 9. We won't take the time to go there. Just focus for a moment, if you would, at the end of verse 4. We too might walk in newness of life. So it is true, Romans 1 to 5, justification, right, tied to resurrection. We saw it explicitly in verse four, chapter 4. But it's also true that now from a new standing, from a justified position... Resurrection also means walking, conduct, acting according to newness of life. In other words, what? It's not cool to say, I've been justified by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. 
And now I'm just going to live however I want to live and be a bad actor. That is not Christian. Okay? That's not Christian. It's not Christian to say you do all of these things and God justifies you. That's definitely not Christian. But nor is it Christian to say, now that I'm having peace with God, I live like the devil. You've been raised. Yes, for justification, chapter 4. But you've been raised unto newness of life, chapter 6. So I'm going to say it one more time at least. Remember your baptism. You could say to me, if I'm living in sin, if you meant the right thing and if you, if you thought I would hear you the right way, which is risky, I know, but just for effect for today, you could say, Pat, remember your baptism. If you mean by that, remember your faith union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you were raised with Him if you're a believer and now live, walk, conduct, newness of life. So we've gone, we've gone full circle. It's quite amazing what Romans does. So, 1 to 3a, our guilt. We've seen our guiltiness. 3b to 5, we've experienced God's grace. I'm going for the guilt, grace, gratitude thing. If you didn't see it coming, won't be the last time, not the first. We see our guilt. Then we experience God's grace. And now we get to Romans chapter 6. And now we're called, even not by our own bootstraps, we have a new nature, we have a new union, we have a new identity with Christ, the resurrected one. Now we want to live our lives for the glory of God out of gratitude, out of a place of peace. And again, this isn't on our own white knuckle, not that there isn't our effort involved when it comes to our walk. Christian living is actually really important. It's really important. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you got baptized today or you got baptized 70 plus years ago or anything in between, when you forget, baptism really is a good picture and a good depiction reminding you of what it means to be a Christian. It's a really good picture of what it means to be a Christian, whether it be for our salvation no judgment to come, or for our spiritual maturity, I want to do the right thing now, knowing that I'm not condemned. It's a great, great picture. I have a final question to ask you before we move on to the second great picture that the Lord gave us with the Lord's Supper. Controversial theological question. Two options. Is baptism A or B? Here we go. Is baptism primarily an act of obedience? That's A. Or B, is baptism primarily a gracious gift from God? I don't hear a lot of response, and I'm glad because it's hard to say A and B at the same time. <laughs> At least is where, where, where I am personally. Okay, this is a big theological debate because sometimes, even in churches like our church, it's only stressed and always and forever, first act of obedience, you need to obey, 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 get baptized. Thankfully, we don't do that around here. It is an act of obedience, 
It is something you're supposed to do. But can it be both? And by the way, our church confession stresses both, which is one reason I like it. Our church agreement. It's a gracious gift from God. Not gracious as in it justifies you, but we don't deserve this gracious depiction. God gave it to us. God gave it to us as an inspired word picture, reminder to encourage us, to bless us. And hopefully this morning you, you've, you, you, you've been blessed. Like baptism is amazing. It pictures the most significant realities in all of the universe. Baptism is significant and it's a gracious gift from God because of what it signifies. And so let's not have to make the false choice and when your um, theological friends or frenemies or whatever you want to call them uh, say, oh yeah, I know you. It's got to be baptized, got to be baptized, got to be baptized. And you know, in my faith tradition, we receive it as a good and gracious gift from God. And uh, so you workspace people, you know what? That's lame. Uh, that's lame. We are called to be baptized. That's an act of obedience. If you've never been baptized, I'll look you straight in the face and say, if you're a professing Christian, you're a Christian, you should be baptized. It's so significant and wonderful and amazing what it signifies. Surely you would only want to be. No downside at all. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for great opportunities to learn. And thank you for blessing us with this great, great reality we call Christian water baptism. We're thankful for all that it pictures. We know that we haven't exhausted that this morning, but we're thankful for it. We're thankful for those who've been baptized today, those who'll be baptized next week, those who've ever been baptized, as it is a way of boasting in Christ, not about our great commitment, but about His great commitment of saving those that He set out to save. Thank you now even that we're able to obey the Lord Jesus Christ and another command that's also a grace blessing. And that would be to eat and drink in remembrance of Christ. Our tendency is to try to do things on our own. We forget even what it means to be a Christian. Thank you for giving us simple things like this to remember what it means to be a Christian, to rest in Christ. In his name we pray, amen.